Welcome to the Revolution of Interdependence podcast. My name is Will Sampson. I'm a change coach and a social scientist who guides executives and companies to new levels of growth. If you want to improve your life all by yourself, hey, that's your business. But if you want help from others, that's our business. And that's what this podcast is all about, helping each other succeed. We do that by inviting people into a growing revolution of interdependence. My guest on today's podcast is Nick Barrett. Nick is the founder of Cord Brick, and he's a, just a brilliant young entrepreneur. So on today's podcast, we talk about the process of building a company, the hard work of raising venture capital. We even delve into Nick's recovery journey and how that helps keep him grounded in the stress of running a startup. So if you're ready, let's get this podcast started. Well, hey, everyone, welcome to a new episode of Revolution of Interdependence. And today I have the great pleasure of talking with Nick Barrett. So Nick is a young entrepreneur. He's the founder of Cordbrick. He holds actually a patent for this interesting idea. And we're going to talk about where his idea came from and how he formulated the, the, uh, the, the product idea. Uh, he's an early stage investor, sort of uh, look, still looking for a Series A round. Um, so it's, I think it's great to hear some of these stories of people who are just starting out and um, you know, really looking to, to build a successful platform for the work they want to do in the world. Here's a great, so, you know, people sometimes send, send me uh, little promos of what other people have said about them. Here's, here's one that, that I found uh, for Nick. Uh, a, uh, an entrepreneur said about him, I love his life story, the redemption, but most of all, I love the process. That's the kind of persistence and coachability that you have, that you need to have in a successful entrepreneur. The first time you need, you meet Nick, you want him to win. And I, I love that. Like this kind of like, we're, we're all in and it's, it's bringing the full game to the, uh, it's bringing your full self to the game. So, well, first of all, welcome. We're so glad to have you here, Nick. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. All right. You bet. And so we always start with one question, which is um, because this is the revolution of interdependence, we always want to start off by hearing a story of interdependence from you. So can you tell me the story of a person, a group, somebody that was the real difference maker for you that allowed you to, to do what you do in the world? You know, that quote that you mentioned, I think, came from a gentleman who's helped me a ton. Uh, his name's Rick Monroe, um, and he'll, he'll be shocked I'm, I'm mentioning his name. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, he, he, you know, this, this guy has given me a ton of his own personal time uh, early in my venture, in my idea stage, kind of figuring out uh, he's an engineer. And so I, I went to him asking, how do I do injection molding for my product? cord brick, which is a weighted cord holder and has silicone, uh, which uh, is, is covers steel on the inside to kind of keep your cord end on a, on a surface, on a desktop or nightstand. And uh, he was kind of coaching me through how I do an injection molding process and what were the um, parameters and design features. And, you know, going into that, I'll, I'll be frank, I didn't know anything about it. Uh, I had, uh, I'm in recovery. I'm five years sober, and I um, dropped out of engineering in college to pursue a, you know, career in drinking. And so, <laughs> um, I I got to be a professional in that. And uh, so, I, you know, I didn't have the engineering knowledge going to this. And so, you know, the kindness that uh, Rick and other people have shown me early in this entrepreneurial venture, I think, is 
I don't know if it's really one person um, because I've had so I'm fortunate enough to have so many different people that have kind of helped me and coached me along this path. But um, what I've noticed is that when you show an earnest effort to uh, really want to learn something uh, get or get better at something um, that people are willing to help you out. You know, they're willing to give you their time and effort and knowledge and experience for, for free a lot of times. And that's what this guy uh, Rick did for me. I love that. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. So here's where I want to start. You, a bunch of us, a whole, a whole group of a whole mess of us have been really frustrated at, with our chords and like, why can't this be better? And you know, why, 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 why is there a problem? And you said, here's a solution. Tell us how that, tell us about that process. Cause, cause for, rather than sort of gritching and moaning, like most of us do, you said, I'm going to create a solution to this problem. Tell us what that looked like for you. Well, uh, in hindsight, I wish I had jumped on it a little sooner. I originally thought of the idea in 2015 and I was still active in my drinking at the time. And this was late December, 2015. I still had the images uh, time stamped on my iPhone. And uh, the, the thought I remember actually clear as day, I was in bed and I used to have a real problem sleeping and probably because I was you know, passing out and drinking all the time, I couldn't actually fall asleep. But, you know, looking back, that's what the real issue was. But um, so I would get really annoyed that my phone cord, you know, back in the day, they're mostly three feet long or so. And the plugs on the middle of the wall, halfway down below the nightstand. And so it would just fall on the floor. And not only did I you know, have to get out of bed, but a lot of times I have to turn the light on to find the thing and it wake me up and it ruined my sleep. And I just thought, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. Right. Just like most uh, people think of ideas as they got a problem with their own life. And they're like, okay, what can we do about this? And the only thing I saw at the time was those adhesive cord holders. And I didn't really want anything adhesive. I think my thought at first was I want to be able to put this on my bed sheet. You know, I want to like bring, you know, just so I don't have to reach very far. I was lazy. I mean, that really was the gist of it. And so um, right away though, I kind of transitioned that into, okay, I've got, what do I have here? All right. I've got a weighted block or brick that's going to hold my cord. Well, what else can it do? Well, I've got problems with traveling with my cord. And so I decided just about right away, I wanted to be able to wrap it too. So cord break is the first product that does both the kind of daily cord holding use, as well as that traveling with cords and wrapping, not just one, but multiple cords too. Um, it took a while for me to get to the uh, stage of, I was ready as a person and individual to launch a business and start this. And just looking back at myself in the first year or two of sobriety, even I was not prepared to do what I'm doing today, you know, mentally, emotionally. And so it's been quite a learning experience and a growing experience. And now I finally developed that motivation over many years. That's internal motivation, not motivated by those external things of how people view me. And, you know, those first things that are just, I think, natural for most people uh, when you come out of a, a state like I was in anyways. Yeah. 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 And those of us in recovery, we know phrases like time takes time. And, you know, you, you sort of, uh, you, you learn to, you, you get ingrained ideas like progress, not perfection and things like that. And those really can help you. I often say that my time in the rooms of recovery helped me be a better human outside of the rooms of recovery, including giving me the capacity to imagine a better future me in ways that, you know, hadn't even, I couldn't think of at the time when I was active in substance abuse. Didn't think applied to me. I know. I just thought I just wasn't a good person in general, or 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 maybe just wasn't capable of doing the same things. I thought I, you know, I just didn't. I, I I'm just not one of those disciplined people. And it's like, no, that's actually not the case. 
I can be quite disciplined when I have the proper motivation, which I do now. That's amazing. That's great. And I love to thank you for sharing that part of your journey as well. You know, I think for those of us that have been through that process, there can be a little bit of mis, uh, mystery, mystery about it. Like, oh, you know, it's, it's this kind of thing off there, but it's just ordinary people trying to heal our lives and, and live a little more holy. Um, I love that. So how did, all right. So you had, you have this idea. It started, it started, you know, with some drunken frustration in bed, you got sober and now you wanted to turn this dream into reality. Talk us about, talk us through that process. You know, what is, how did that actually work? How did it, how did it come to be a product with a patent with a company and all that? Yeah, that's uh, a, a long answer. And so I'll try to summarize it best I can, but yeah. it is a, it's a long process. And I think where I sit today, just looking back at when I started developing the product in mid 2020, uh, it took me till late 2021 to actually get uh, inventory um, at scale, you know, produce large quantity of the product at the price down at the right price point for people. Uh, so it's been almost two years now of, of development of the company. So, you know, where I am today is quite a bit different than where I was in 2020. Um, some of the biggest differences I would say are the trust that's been developed over a period of time. I think uh, from your, it's really difficult when your family has seen you a certain way for a long time and friends as well uh, for them to over a period of two, three, four, five years, you know, they're not seeing you every day. And uh, you know, you may not talk to some people for you know, a year or two or so. And um, then to bring them, um, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm launching a company now. now. Not only am I, got my life back together and I'm not getting DUIs and arrested anymore, but I'm, I'm, you know, launching a venture. I'm asking for, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. And, um, and I want you know, people to trust and believe in me and my idea. And so um, I think it's taken a little bit of time for the people closest to me to actually get to where some of the new people that I show the product to where they are pretty much right away, which is you need to get on Shark Tank with this and right. you are ready and you're, you're like, this is, you're born to do this. And so, you know, I, I was kind of, I grew up in a family where a lot of government jobs and, you know, nine to fives and go to get a corporate, retire, you know, all that sort of traditional. Right. I'm very not from that mold myself. Um, and just kind of accepting that over a period of time took a long time and then just getting comfortable in my own skin in, in sobriety partially, but um, I'm fortunate enough to have went through what I just call a you know transformative period in my life that was brought upon by struggle. I don't think there's any other thing that could have done it to me personally. I was a stubborn guy, uh, you know, hard-headed, and I had to learn for myself. And no one could tell me anything. And so um, I think you know that fits being an entrepreneur quite well, actually. But right. it, you know, it, it it hindered me for a long period of time until I was able to kind of get over that hump and and you know. Um, so what could I tell myself for going back in, in the past to change earlier? That's you know, a different thing, but um, you know, that's, it's been a process to get to where I am today. It's, it's yeah. not easy. It takes time. Time does take time. What are some of the biggest challenges you faced? Definitely people not believing that one product can be a business, um, especially a small $10 item. Um, I've had some pushback on that initially. Um, you know, getting investment for that, I think, is part of the, you know, uh, and I think as well that I also didn't expect how much money it would take to launch a product at $10, a $10 price point and get it out to the, to the masses. I, um, I think one of the challenges with marketing a mass market product is you 
have a large market to market to. So, um, you know, it, it'd be ideal if I could spend a lot of money, you know, getting the word out there to a lot of people at once, because you know, I was able to sell a lot of them in person when I uh, first started selling the product and then kind of transitioning that into online was been a difficult part for me, that direct to consumer approach. I recently got the product on Amazon. So uh, I've got some PR and things like that going articles here and there. And um, so, you know, we've had a lot of sort of snowball worth of efforts towards the end of this year. It's also a great gift um, that I found for people at that price point has worked really well. So I think identifying the niches as well, one of the challenges uh, with the mass market product is for me is you do have to target your markets in early startups uh, really specifically to use your capital the most efficiently. And that's kind of difficult to do when, and I, I did think, and I think this is a mistake a lot of founders will make is they say, well, my, I, everyone's going to want my product, you know, and just not true. You know, for, for me, I think one of the things that I learned fairly quickly was I thought the product would be better for younger people, but frankly, younger people don't care about organization as much as older people do. And also they don't have money they want and they want to spend on that. You know, they got other priorities with their dollars. So um, that was a learning experience for me, but I did find a kind of an older, more niche market and those people actually buy a lot of gifts. So it kind of fits in really well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. What um, now, in addition to sort of some of the technical challenges, the marketing challenges, talk about talk to us about the personal journey as an entrepreneur, like what kind of emotional challenges, what, you know, how do you get in the mindset of an, of being an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think in, in recovery and in, in particular, I think we're told to kind of uh, let go and let God and things right. like that, you know, don't be the one that's trying to make all the decisions. Um, you know, acceptance, not, you know, don't, don't, don't deny. And I think as an entrepreneur, often you do have to deny and say, no, no, uh, I'm not going to accept that it's this way. I'm going to do it this other way. And so that's sort of a dichotomy for me is sort of balancing that with, okay. Um, you know, after there's a famous paragraph talks about acceptance. And after that, uh, next paragraph talks about, um, that, you know, if the world's a stage, and I'm Shakespeare. And if all the actors and players would just do as I say, everyone would just everything would just go according to plan and it would be perfect. And it does feel that way in the role of a founder's seat at a startup when you've got marketing agencies and you've got videographers and actors and other people that, you know, uh, are just not doing it exactly the way you want. And so I hear this from other visionaries, founders, that delegating is one of the toughest parts for them. And so that has definitely been a tough part for me is kind of the, you know, the balance of letting go and also taking charge. And, you know, again, as a founder, I need to do the bookkeeping, the accounting, and I need to understand how the website and the back end works, which is really not my strength, that technical aspect. So um, just accepting that, hey, I've got to take care of all the P's and Q's, because when I get to that financial section, I better know what I'm talking about, even though that I'm going to hire someone ideally down the road to do that, those things for me, you know, I've got to do that whether I want to or not. And so that's, for me, that's been a, a you know, tough balance is balancing how much do I do what I want to do, which is that, that fun designing idea creation part. And then how much do I integrate and get down to that, you know, hard nose implementation of the, here's what I'm going to do first. And then I'm going to do this and then check, check, check. And those little annoying tasks that are tedious, but necessary in a startup. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've often joked that there should be a special recovery program for entrepreneurs in recovery because <laughs> the idea that acceptance is the answer to all my problems is a great, it works great, except 
when it comes to raising venture capital, because acceptance isn't the answer to raising venture capital. <laughs> like not not taking no for an answer is the answer to raising venture capital. So That's I almost right. wonder if there should be like a special, uh, you know, a special recovery group just for us. <laughs> That's a good idea. I like that. So are you, um, so you're raising venture capital though. So tell me, tell me, because the options that I hear typically for somebody in, in the direct-to-consumer space that you're working in is raise venture capital, build a large corporation around it, or bring on investment partners through this sort of shark tank process and all that. How are you thinking about that and what decisions are you making? We've said venture capital. I'm certainly not opposed to bringing in different partners, um, talking to angel funds. So whether that's venture capital, I know that this particular fund I'm talking to recently wants to be a minority partner, so not a controlling, you know, partner as well. Um, and I, you know, I'm not really interested myself in giving up the visionary control of the company. I and I don't think that the right partner for me would want to take that away from me. I think I think I've kind of shown at this point that you kind of got to let me off the reins and see where I go and land, and then we can, you know, figure out from there where we need to direct our, the, you know, the vast majority of our resources. But I don't I don't think um, I or, or people investing in me would, would desire that. But, um, you know, venture capital is interesting. Licensing is interesting um, uh, for this product because, you know, stamping a logo on this product is pretty cool as a promotional product because it goes on people's nightstands and desks and it has a nice flat spot right in the middle. It's actually a really useful product for promotion. I'm a little concerned about the promotional industry. You yeah. know, not high quality products all the time. And I'm trying to sell Cord Brick as a, you know, reusable lifelong solution for your cord management issues for wherever you go for wherever it's, you know, food grade silicone, 400 degree temperature tolerance, all that I ran over with my car, it stayed intact. So, um, yeah, so, you know, anyways, I don't know if that answers your question or not. It, no, it does. It's helpful. Yeah. It's those kinds of questions. Like, like when you're developing a market, a market for something. And, you know, in my case, my, the market I'm developing is more around coaching and certainly this podcast and things like that. But anytime you're developing a market, it's, it's those trade-offs. You want people to buy it. You want it to, but you want it to have integrity. You know, I have some great, um, you know, promotional items that I've, that I've had over the years. I've got a USB drive that I still have from a, from a conference, I think three, four years ago. So, so those are great, but what, what's like, how does your product stand out from, the rest of the market and how do you ensure that it does like what's the thinking there to, to have some real product differentiation oh thanks yeah i mean i love the question right i i invented this product because i couldn't find anything that i wanted i uh the other options i see on, now online anywhere i can look are either uh, weighted cord holder options which is one of the aspects of my product and then there's adhesive so either you've got something that does sort of desktop cord holding or you've got, you know, and that, that can be moved. Uh, it doesn't have adhesive, or you've got things that you stick to different services, right? And so what Cordbrick is, is I think it's a more of a mobile and uh, individual sort of smaller um, product. Um, the, the weighted cord holder, I think is $17 or so on Amazon. I sell Cordbrick on my website right now. I'm selling it for $9.99. Uh, so you get a couple of cord bricks for the same price as, you know, one, and it's got plenty of weight. So the weight's not an issue. That that grippy silicone is just as good as uh, you know, better than the other stuff products that I've seen. Um, and then I think the thing that sets it apart is Cordbrick is a travel tool, so it's meant you can kind of snap the cord into Cordbrick. I should have one and demonstrate for you. Um, and uh, then you can wrap 
your cord around cord brick and lock it in the other side. You can see it on my website, cordbrick.com. It's got a bunch of uh, good demos and, and little gifts, quick videos. Um, but also with cord brick is you've got abilities to do different um, phone standing and propping and, and setting abilities too. So because of the way I designed cord brick, it's a rectangular brick block shape. And so you can kind of set your phone on top of it. Just makes it uh, interestingly convenient to just pick up and set down. You get your fingers underneath it really easily. You can use it as a stopper to prop it up. Then you can stand it, grab most cases. So it's a really diverse sort of multi-tool, I think is what sets it apart. Um, and so I think, you know, people will find that there's nothing like it. And that's what I heard a lot in person selling these at a local market here was you got to get on Shark Tank with this. This There's nothing like this out there. And th this right. applies to everybody. So as you know, getting back to that mass market product, I mean, that's been the, one of the biggest challenges is figuring out the exact messaging with so many uses for this product. I could even snap my Apple AirPods into it and it'll hold them so they don't get separated or fall apart if the case isn't there or it's in my backpack or something like that. I'm on an airplane. So you know, lots of different uses. So that, that was, that's the main thing, that cord multi-tool phone multi-tool. Do you have any, um, do you have any VC stories, cringeworthy VC stories you can share with us? Maybe you don't, this is a surprise question. I'm kind of throwing it at you, but I'm just wondering what your experience has been like. You know, some folks have just great experience with VCs and others really struggle. I'm just wondering what your experience in the whole funding process has been like. You know, I've been really lucky to run into a gentleman here named Tim Cartwright at the Tamiami Angel Fund here in Naples, Florida, who uh, has given me a really honest introduction to funding in general and told me a lot of things to watch out for. You know, I consider him one of the good guys, and I think that's the case for any everybody around here. Um, and, you know, his reputation speaks for itself. And so um, I haven't had the experience of running into anybody bad myself. I don't have any horror stories, so I'm sorry to disappoint you there, but you know, I've heard from other people to watch out for sure about VCs. And um, I don't know, I'm a highly sensitive person. I really like developing a personal relationship. So I think anytime I would be interested in, you know, uh, working with someone on that level, I would really like to get to know them and who they are as a person and not be as interested in, you know, what their offer was. You know, I'd certainly give the offer to people I trust to read over it. But the thing that I'd be looking for is what kind of person am I working with and how is this is going to work out when things go south because you've got to have some really difficult conversations. I found with yeah. family and friends, investors, uh, you know, uh, when you're dealing with money. And so I think it's uh, paramount to just find that right partner, right person. And maybe they are a venture capitalist, maybe they're an angel investor. So, right, right. How did you? So, I want to go back a little bit to your experience though, because I want to figure out how you got there. You talked about um, um, dropping out of college. Um, and then, and now here we are talking to you and you're the, you're the CEO of a startup with a patent and you're, you're building this, this concept. Talk us through the steps in between there. Cause you, you know, there was a lot of things that happened, I'm sure in, in the middle there. Sure. I mean, the end of this month, we're about to go ask for a million dollars from an angel fund. So I, that, that's quite a bit different than, you know, where I was five and a half years ago, uh, coming off a, a third DUI and, you know, heading to do a couple months in jail here in Florida uh, for that. And, um, you know, really not knowing where my life was going and seeing other people pass me by my peers and, you know, siblings and things like that. And, uh, really just disappointing people around me. So, um, man, what a total transformative process. You know, I, I looked in the mirror for many years and, and asked myself, why couldn't I change? And, and so, uh, you know, the, the, uh, I had, I had some punishments and some consequences that really allowed me and, and, and hindsight gave me the, 
you know, the benefit of someone kind of tapping me on the shoulder and saying, here's what you're going to have to do for a period of time. You know, I had an alcohol ankle monitor on my ankle for four months after that third DUI. And I, I couldn't take a drink or else the thing would sense it and wirelessly transmit it to the Pinellas County Sheriff's office from my bedroom right. uh, for four months. And so, you know, this, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, you know, I was on probation for years and, um, you know, having to do, you know, checks and, you know, make sure I, you know, I wasn't going to bars and things like that. And so, uh, you know, I recently got a, a blow box off of my car and got my license almost back. I've still got five more years on technically a suspended license. So I can only drive for work and you know, not pleasure officially. Right. Right. I don't do um, most of the time I get other people to drive me. So um, I think a humbling was a huge part of it. I uh, kindly say, I wish people in my position just enough pain to decide to make a change. Cause for me, that was, I think the driving factor. It's not the case for everybody. Some people can develop that internal motivation and have other reasons for doing it. But for me, and I think for a lot of people, it is some kind of outside factor that comes in and, and you just kind of realize either the game's up or it's over with. And, um, but the, I wouldn't have estimated how much time it did take me to recover mentally. And I would say that uh, one of the most important lessons I have now is I use that mm-hmm. word recover lightly because I'm not recovered in the, in the past tense. You know, I'm, um, I know that this is a lifelong growth process. I don't think I'd want it to be any other way. And I frankly have, I got to watch myself a little bit with resenting other people now who don't have the same um, affinity for personal growth and they're, you know, who've had successful lives and have had no reason to change, uh, you know, like I have. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I love that answer. Thank you. You know, one of the, um, one of the sayings that means a lot to me these days is the stoic saying, amur fati, love your fate. And, you know, in the rooms of recovery, I sometimes, I used to hear people saying that they were a grateful alcoholic and frankly, that really pissed me off. Like, I did not want to hear that. But, but if you allow yourself to be transformed, what ends up happening is there's a, there's a process of change that occurs in you where suddenly takes a while. It's a year. It's, a two, it's two years. It's three years. But then suddenly you're involved and engaged in ways in the world that you didn't even imagine before. And it sounds like I'm, I'm hearing the same thing from, uh, from your story. I'll say I can't stand the phrase "everything happens for a reason." Get that out of here! Man. <laughs> I, that's not true. I, I, I did, in my opinion, in my humble right. opinion. Right. <laughs> you know, the, I think the reason that I like to believe that is because, like you said, it's not what happens to you; it's how you react to it. And I think that um, I, I have, with people that I've known and people who've gone through traumatic situations the people who've gone through some of the worst traumatic situations can bring some of the best things to other people. And I think people often underestimate what they are capable of providing to other people for some reason, thinking that only other people can provide it to them somehow. And I'm, I just, I just want people to know that that's not true. And I, uh, I think that if you get in the mindset of, you know, that, that it's just inevitable and that things just happen for a reason and there's just nothing I can do about it. And I, you know, I don't have any agency or control over my life. It's like, no, actually, you know, you can take just about any situation and you can put your own spin on it and figure out how you're going to make it better and what you're going to do about it. And we don't have to sit here and just twiddle our thumbs and, you know, um, actually listen to something you said about starting. And, you know, I think 
it's 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 important to visualize who and what you are beforehand and know that that's who you are. But that first step, you know, you don't develop motivation by just sitting there. You have to develop motivation by getting into the habit. The motivation comes afterwards. It doesn't come before you start doing the habit. To me, anyways. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't I could not agree more exactly. But I could I agree a hundred percent. Here's my question. Was it your experience? Because this was so part of my experience in going through recovery was that I had such a terrible view of myself that I had that when a group of people said, we're going to love you until you can love yourself. We're going to believe in you until you can believe in yourself. That had this deep power to transform me to where I could then say, "Okay, now now look out, because now I really do love myself. I really do believe myself. And it's amazing what I can do myself. Was that similar to your experience? Though, yeah, um, that subconscious self-sabotage was prevalent in my life. uh, And it even was, became prevalent into my sobriety years to some degree. And I was confused as to kind of what was going on. Um, You know, drinking is but a symptom of the greater disease, right? You know, you don't have to be an alcoholic to have what I had, you know, that that mental capture of your mind. And people can take it out in many other ways by shopping, just you know, buying stuff when they don't feel good or porn addictions and lots of other, you know, unhealthy ways of dominating and controlling people and you know, exerting their will. And you know, there's a lot of ways to, to get off in your mind um, and, and, and think your way into pain and, and suffering and stuff like that. So I think that mastering of my mind was very difficult and confusing and, and long. And, and it wouldn't have happened without, for me, those other people kind of telling me, look, you're not your thoughts. You, you are what you decide to do about your thoughts. Okay. Yeah. Everybody has different thoughts that come into their head and pop into their head. And it's what we all take action on that really matters. And so you can consider stuff and think about things and have reactions, but we don't know why all these things are happening. And, and it's, you know, it's that action that does make the difference next. And so if you act on it or not, you know, changing yeah. your idea, mind, changing, you know, so. Absolutely. I love that answer. Love, love, love that answer. Okay. So I know my people, my, the people listening to this podcast are going to want want to follow your journey. What's the best way for them to do that? I know we'll put in some of the, some of your links, but how, how can they best keep up with you? Sure. Yeah. I'd love if they just follow Cordbrick on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, uh, at Cordbrick, uh, search Cordbrick on any of those one word, C-O-R-D-B-R-I-C-K. You can also go to Cordbrick.com. Um, and just check out our different color. We've got glow in the dark cord brick as well. Great for the nightstand as well. When you flip the lights off, um, I'm, uh, at original niche on Instagram, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, that I would say that's it. Check me out on LinkedIn. If you're a professional and want to connect as well. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was, this was fun. This was really, uh, you know, I, I love all my podcast guests. This, this had a real rich flavor to it. So thank you for, your presence and bringing your full self. And I will look forward to uh, following your journey. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Feelings mutual. You got a listener as well. I uh, love, love your message as well. And uh, yeah, keep on sharing it, man. Thanks, Will. All right. Thanks, Nick. Bye. All right. Thanks to everyone who joined me today. You can find out how to connect with Nick and how to purchase your own cord brick in the show notes, or you can go to cordbrick.com. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did enjoy it, would you share it with one person in your world today and help me get the word out? And if you like what you hear here, you can also uh, sign up for my weekly insights. It's just a short bit of wisdom that comes out once a week. And to do that, just head over to willsampson.com and that's Samson without a P, 
willsampson.com and sign up for the newsletter. You can follow me on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. I'm at Will Sampson Change Coach. And please hit the subscribe button below and you can be notified of the latest episodes. So thanks everyone, and I will see you next time on the Revolution of Interdependence podcast.